I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 132, Psalm 132. We're coming very, very close to the end of the 15 Psalms that make up the Psalms of Degrees. These uh, degrees stepping up and stepping up. And these trilogies of uh, troubles and trust and triumphs. And we're in the last section of them. 132, 133, 134, though 132 is a longer one, one of the longer ones of the section. 133 and 134 are three verses each, and we will actually put them together and show how it ends with the trust and the triumph. And the truth of the trust is in unity. We can uh, have unity, and then the triumph is in the praise that comes out of that unity. But here, We see, again, afflictions. And this is a psalm of David. In fact, verse 1, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. He puts it right out there, right out of the box. But in this longer psalm of 18 verses here in this section, we see that in all of this, he actually wants to show his incredible devotion and desire for God no matter how bad things are and all the trials and troubles there are so what we look at here is we see in verses 1 through 5 we see David's devotion and we see first of all his command Lord remember David and all his afflictions and the word remember is an imperative you know he is saying it's a pleading of Lord do this remember me I've got to have you to look at what I'm going through here. And so it's an a, a attention thing of I really want your presence and your attention. Remember, bring to your mind, call back those afflictions, those places that I have been troubled and oppressed. And I want you to notice that David had an audience of the Lord, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah. That's who he's talking to. David is the one who loves to talk to his Lord. And if you remember, when we were dealing last time with the last psalm, we said that this psalm, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is winged of his mother. My soul is even as a winged child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever, that uh, though it was probably in his days from being a sheep uh, tender, being a shepherd, 
And Lord, remember the afflictions and things that I've gone through. Now he's uh, probably up talking about later times where he's gone through the horrible times with Saul and seeking his life. And then, of course, uh, he had some uh, great triumphs after Saul's death, but then some great tragedies after his sin with Bathsheba in his own family. But we do see his devotion. His devotion for God still continued on all the way through his life. And we see the command, remember me, Lord, and all the things that I have gone through, all the hardships. We see the command, but then we see his compassion, his absolute devotion, compassion, his passion for God. And we see it in so many ways in his life. But in this psalm, we see it through three things. First, through a vow. It says here, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swear unto the Lord. Lord, remember when I vowed unto you. Do you remember that time when uh, I vowed unto you, the Lord, and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob? Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house nor go up into my bed. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We see here that David says, look, I made an oath, and I meant it, and I'm pleading. I want you to be here and listen as I tell you about the mighty vow that I have. And that was to bring the ark to Jerusalem. That was a vow of David's. It was something that was a very big priority of his. In fact, it was something that was a, a very big priority that he tried once, and he didn't try it in the right way. And it created a problem, which then, of course, displeased David greatly because there was a reproach made that day. And somebody died because of that. And so it ended up going to the house of Obed-Edom for a while before it ever came back to where David wanted it to be. But it was always his passion for that ark to be there. Look with me, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verse number 1. It says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bali of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God on a new cart. And that was the problem. There was a right way to do it, and they didn't do it in the right way. And so a lot of people like to use a lot of new carts today. And God says, no, you stick to the old way and don't go to the new ways of this fangled world. You stick to the old past and walk therein. It said they put it upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the cart, the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments of music, of fir wood, even of harps and psalteries, and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Man, David really wanted this ark to be there. He wanted God's presence there. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God. No, no, no. Took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And it says here, David was afraid of the Lord that day. 
and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him in the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The ark was the symbol of the presence of God, God's presence. And Obed-Edom was the one who enjoyed that presence now because David realized that they didn't do it the right way. And there is no way he was going to bring it in in the wrong way and set it up in the wrong way and have all that. It had to come back at another time in the right way. Look at verse number 12 of Second Samuel chapter 6. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. It's just clear the blessings because of the ark of God and everything that pertaineth unto him. It's really great. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness, joy. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And so we see they do it in a right way and not the wrong way. And David is excited. Man, he's thrilled. And he is just uh, dancing before the Lord with everything he has. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. It's a shame. Not everybody likes to get in, do they? Not everybody likes to get in, but David wanted to get in. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So we see that he had a passion and a desire. And he said how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Now, not only did he want to have the ark there, but he also wanted to have a place for God. He wanted a permanent place, not just the tabernacle, a place where God's presence would be. And we're going to look at that in just a moment because he's going to expand on that. But I want you to see his command was to remember his compassion was, okay, Lord, uh, I've made a vow. I'm passionate. And he said, Lord, I've denied myself some things. I've denied myself sleep, slumber. I've denied myself some things because I am so passionate for this. And he's not saying that in the way of, oh, I, I, I. He's saying, Lord, this is what's on my heart, and I can't sleep, and I don't want to sleep. I, until I've found a place for the, you, Lord, I have an incredible desire and devotion. So he had a vow, and he had a denial of things. He didn't have to have those things. He had to have God's presence over sleeping. Think about that. God's presence over sleeping. God's presence over going up into his house. God's presence over going into his bedroom to go to sleep. I will not give that sleep. I will not put that slumber until I have found a place for the Lord. I want a dwelling place. I want a place of habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. I want the one, Lord, you're mighty. You're, it's all about you. It's all about a place for you because I want your presence. It, you see, what David was wanting is not only 
a place that may, to say, Lord, because I love you and I'm passionate for you, but I want a place I can say, there's God's presence. And, and you know, you and I, because we're the temple of God, then we have it in us. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's in us? And the, because they're three in one, they're all in us. And we have the Lord Jesus abiding in us and us abiding him. Thank God for that abiding truth in the word of God. And there was a great discourse of that in John's gospel, chapter 15, that we must abide in him and him and us. And by abiding in the vine and all, we get all the nutrients and things we need to bear fruit. And if you look at the way it is in John 15, we bear fruit and he wants us to keep on. So he prunes us back to bear more fruit and to bear much fruit. And he doesn't do well with those that don't bear fruit at all. We see David's devotion. Our devotion should lead us to want to have the presence of God. God's, uh, dev our devotion to God should lead us to want to have the very peace of God, the very word of God, the ways of God, the will of God. We want the things that God wants for us and not the things that we think that we want. And so verses 1 to 5 leads us to the next set of verses, 6 to 10, where he goes from, he turns the devotion, the compassion, into worship and into praise for his Lord. He wants to worship him. Look at verse 6 through number 10. Lo, we heard of it at Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away thy face of thine anointed. Now, when we get to verse number 6, we're looking at now his wanting God's present. And we see that in verse number 6, God's presence is desired. He's desiring that absolute presence of God. He said, Lo, we heard of it in Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. David searched for the ark. He found it. He brought it back to its place in the tabernacle. He wanted a place that he would build later. In fact, he's going to talk about that in the last part of the fact that there would be someone on the throne of David forever uh, because he wanted to build that house. But God said, no, you're not the one that will build it. Your son will build it, but you will be on the throne uh, as far as your seed forever. Of course, that seed would lead to Jesus Christ. So David searched and he found it. The Bible says some things about seeking and finding, but if you want to look at the Old Testament version of it, uh, Isaiah 55, 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. See, God's presence denotes a close fellowship, a fellowship, togetherness. Uh, do you want to fellowship with the Lord? Do you get bent out of shape when you do not feel you are fellowshipping with the Lord, when there's no presence of God and you really long for it? You wonder what in the world happened? Well, do everything you can to find out because it will definitely be uh, something worth finding out. Find out from God what it is that is blocking so you can deal with it, fix it, and get back in the very presence of God. He said a close fellowship is one that comes from having an incredible devotion to want to have 
God's presence. Now, in our case, we wouldn't be going looking for an ark. We just want to open our hearts up so that while he's in there, he can just fellowship with us, commune with us. The Holy Spirit can convict us, teach us. We open our Bible, and he leaps off the page, and he ministers to us. And then we like the Psalm 131, we're quieted, and we think, we muse, we meditate, we pray, we read some more, and we have that two-way fellowship and that two-way communication between the word prayer and the Spirit of God. And oh, I'm telling you, it is incredible what God does. We see his, God's presence was desired. But then also, I want you to notice that God's presence was discovered. Uh, it says here in uh, verse number 7, we will go into his tabernacles. Yeah, I'll go in where he said he would dwell. I'll go into that church. Hey, let's put this into modern-day terms. We will go into the church. We will worship at his footstool. Let's go on. Let's find his dwelling place. Let's find where he's at. Let's worship. Let's, I like that because this is what it seems to me what he's saying is, I will, I will. And he put we, but listen, it was an act of the will. I'm willing to do this, so let's do it. He put it into the vernacular of the we. Come on, folks. Let's do this. We're going to go. Let's go to the tabernacle. Let's go where God is. Let's go where God dwells. Let's go where God's presence is. And let's worship. Let's worship like we should worship. Let's worship at his footstool, meaning that we don't put ourselves above him. We put him above us. Let's worship the word, the living word, the wonderful word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's worship him. Then I want you to notice that not only did he uh, come in and have God's presence desired and God's uh, presence described, but then we see God's presence demonstrated. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. He comes into verse number 8, and he says, hey, listen, Lord, he, I, I'm seeking your presence to abide here and be with the ark, and I don't want anything to lose that presence. I don't want this ark moved. I don't want the presence of God leaving. I don't want it to go. Of course, you know, at one point, the Philistines took it, and they thought they put it up next to their God, and every time they get up, their God had fallen down until finally the stump broke. Yeah, God's not sharing it with anybody. Not going to be there with an idol. And so we see that he, he really wants the ark of his strength. He said, Arise, O Lord, unto thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Come on, Lord, come over here and rest right here. Stay right here, you and the ark of your strength. Don't leave. I need your strength. I need your presence. I need your peace. I need your power. I need your protection. I need your provision. I need your grace. I, leave your, I need your love. I need your mercy. Lord, I, I need thee. Yes, I need thee every day, every moment, every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee. I need thee. He said, for thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. When we come down to the, that right there, David said, you know, I, I, I just pleading with you, Lord. I'm pleading with you. Don't turn me away. Lord, don't reject me in the future. Don't reject the king that's going to come after me. Keep this going. Let us have you. His, his, his desire, his devotion, his passion, his compassion was for God to be present always. That's what he wanted. Now, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Solomon became half-hearted. It started out okay. 
And then because of the way things were, when it gets to the end of that, we find there is a divided kingdom. We have Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And Jeroboam caused Israel to sin and creates some idols and puts one in the north end and one in the south end and said, this are your gods. Don't go to Jerusalem to worship. These are your gods. And there he left it. So David said, no, that's not what I'm all about. That's not what I want. Don't reject the king from the future. And so then he goes back and he, he comes into the last section, verse there 11 through 18, and he reminds them of the covenant. And, he, and the Lord is bringing him back, and David is reminding himself of the covenant that sh- really shocked him when the Lord gave it to him. Because in verse 11, he says, The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. See, David said, Don't turn me away. And then he reminds himself, Hey, a repetition of God's uh, uh, covenant. He will not turn away. Of the fruit of the body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony, thy shall teach them. Their children shall also sit upon thy throne forever. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Here we see the covenant. And the the covenant is a promise regarding some things. The first part of the promise is a promise regarding the sons of David. The, the, the sons of David. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. He made a promise. It's a truthful promise. He will not turn back from it. That there will always be one that will sit upon the throne. Now, the devil had that seed down to one. And uh, he tried to destroy it because out of that seed that would continue down as that would happen from the seed of David would come the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why didn't he sit on the throne? Because at that point in time, Rome was ruling and there was no throne to sit on. But he is going to sit on it in the millennial kingdom. And then he will be king of kings and lord of lords forever for all of us. Even though he is right now ruling everything, he's allowing things to take place with his plan. But there's coming a day when he will rule with a rod of iron. And so we see in verse number 11 that there is that promise. And the, the promise that he prayed for was regarding the sons that would come. But then we see also regarding the sanctuary in verses 13 through 15. Here we look at this wonderful place that David wanted. It says, For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. Again, the temple was there. He has desired this place for a place to, to uh, have as a habitat, a habitation, a dwelling place. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Okay, he's chosen Zion. He's decided that's the place of habitation. That's my resting place. That's where I'm going to be. And the temple became that place that they came to collectively worship God and God's presence would be. But in the New Testament, 
our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we worship him in the temple of us, who we are. And so make sure you keep that temple, that body, undefiled. Make sure you're not going out and living in such a way that bring dishonor to the temple that our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit and our God lives in. Be very, very careful because the Lord is watching and the Lord is living in you. Be careful where you take him. Amen. Be very, very careful. This is the place. This is my rest forever and ever. And then he says here kind of an interesting thought process. This is my rest forever. Aren't you looking forward to the day when there will be a finality to us having a place forever with rest? Have you thought about that? You know, David is talking about things on this earth, but there's also a fulfillment coming in the millennial kingdom and beyond that will go way beyond that with perfect peace and rest. For I, verse 15, I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Again, we're dealing with the, the sanctuary here. He said, I'm going to supply all that she needs. I'm going to take care of the needs. Hey, listen, God always blesses when we are turning to him and we're coming back to him and we're looking to him, longing for him, loving him, and wanting to obey everything that he says out of a heart of pure, unadulterated love and no other reason. David is reminding him of this wonderful thing that he has said regarding the sons, regarding the sanctuary, and verse 16, regarding all the saints. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Man, I'm going to tell you what, there is a day that he's going to clothe all of that, and everything will be fine. David is reminding him of something that happened when he wanted to build the house of God, and Nathan said, God said, no, he sent me back to tell you that's not going to happen. But the Lord told me to tell you this. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat and from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And as I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them. There's coming a day I'll plant Israel in their own permanent place, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither, listen to this, shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And he goes on and talks about all the people that will issue from him that will do that. And he said, And when the days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, David, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, Solomon, and will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, I see we're out of time, but the last verse says this, his enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. God is on the throne, but one day he will literally sit ruler of the throne with a rod of iron. David said, remember this, starting with my afflictions, down to my desire for your presence, to the time of the king's going forth, till you sit on the throne forever. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for this wonderful truth. Amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have a great week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly.
what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.